Uh, as you know probably already, this is All Saints Sunday. It's transferred from last Thursday, which is uh, officially All Saints Day. And did you know the tie that Saints or All Saints Day has with Halloween? All right, so we've made Halloween about trick-or-treating and candy and a lot of fun. And I saw some of your pictures on Facebook, and it looks like y'all had a splendid time. Some great costumes. But did you know at sundown on Wednesday, when we were out trick-or-treating, it was All Saints Day. See, the word hallow comes from the old English word holy. It means to make something holy or sacred or set apart for God. And we, as the saints of God, are set apart for His glory. So it's a Halloween, a holy ween, and the ween is for evening. And so All Saints Even, or Hallows Even, was shortened into Halloween. Basically, it's the night before All Saints, or the beginning of All Saints celebration. So that's the feast day today. And I bet if I ask many of you, are you a saint Uh, I'm sure some of you would say, absolutely, uh, I'm a saint. Um, And then your wife would turn to you with a a look of of thinking, oh, no, you're not. Let me tell you, Uh, you're far from being a saint. Um, So I think that many of us don't realize what it means to be a saint, and so I want to talk with you a little bit about that today. Um, So uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17, And uh, we're going to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a saint? And we're going to look at the end of the story. Remember, Revelation's the end of the book, the end of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, and let's look at what a saint looks like. Because in a few minutes, we're going to actually bring a new saint into the life of our congregation, uh, Marin Danielle Schluter. She's going to be the newest saint at St. Paul's. And y'all are going to stand up, and we're going to ask you a question. Will you do all in your power to support this person in her life in Christ? And you're going to say, we will. So what we're saying is, will you do all in your power to make sure she's a saint of God? And you're going to say, we will. It's a heavy covenant, a heavy promise. We want you to know what, that saints, what saints look like in order to, to get her to that goal. Um, so this is the end time picture. Uh, think of John writing Revelation, looking up and seeing the heavens opened, seeing the doorway into heaven. He gets a glimpse of what heaven looks like in the last days. And in verse 9, it starts like this. John says, And as I looked, behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and tribe and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, This is a hymn of praise. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, many of you probably came here today thinking that that the saints are a a small, tiny handful of people who are particularly pious and virtuous and moral and that you probably don't measure up. Don't think that. What does it say there? From a multitude of people. From every tribe and every language and every nation. There are a bunch of people in heaven, this picture is. So who are the saints? Not just the incredibly uh, virtuous little handful of people, but a whole multitude of people who have been redeemed by Jesus. And they're wearing white. So a lot of times when we baptize a child, we'll clothe them in white afterwards to represent the purity and the holiness that God gives us through the washing away of our sins. 
and we wear at the altar white albs on Sunday. And it's not because they look cool or they're chic or anything like that. It's because I want you to point your mind to the salvation that is yours in Christ Jesus. That at the end times, you're going to be dressed in white before the throne and before the Lamb in holiness and righteousness because of the work that Jesus did on Calvary to save us from our sins, to wash us clean in his blood. And we see that, don't we? These saints are worshiping Jesus for all that he's done for them. Look at verse 9. Standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white, they're waving their palm branches, and they're crying out, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. So palm branches remind you of Palm Sunday, right? What does that mean? Well, on Palm Sunday, we usher in the King, right? King Jesus. And we usher him into Jerusalem, And we bow and sing hosannas because we're praising the most high king of the universe. Same thing here, right? They're waving the palm branches because they're worshiping the king. That's what what saints do. Jesus is sitting on the throne and they're giving praise and honor and glory to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So are you a saint? Are you filled with awe and reverence because you worship the Most High God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? My friends, this kind of worship is something that's organic. It just springs naturally up from the soul of a saint. You want to be in prayer and worship and and spend time and hang out with Jesus because he is your Lord. He's given his precious blood on your behalf. So it stems naturally from the soul. And we also know that when we worship, we're participating with all of the created order in worshiping Jesus. In in the Holy Communion service, we say with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, all of creation, worshiping the King of Kings. And then in verse 11, we get the same picture at the end of time. John shares with us, and all the angels were standing around the throne with the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces in praise before God, and they worshiped him, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and forevermore. Amen. You see, that's what saints do. Naturally, organically, from their souls, they praise and worship God. It flows naturally. Number three, how are saints made? But remember I said it's not just a handful of super pious people at the end of time? Look at verse 13, and you'll see how we make saints. Then one of the elders in heaven, remember John's on Patmos writing this letter, addressed John on earth saying, this is a question and answer quiz. John, who are these clothed in white, and where have they come from? And John said back to the elder in heaven, sir, you know. And the elder said to John, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They've come out of a great tribulation. Sometimes this life can can feel very much like a tribulation, can't it? Full of tribulation. I mean, every time we turn on our TV sets, it seems like there's more tribulation we got to deal with. And you think about just just over three years ago, those folks at Mother Emanuel Church 
And they're simply doing Bible study and, and loving Jesus and caring for one another. And a violent man comes in, an evil man, and, and destroys the lives of so many people in an act of violence. And then just recently in Pittsburgh, the Tree of Life Synagogue, another vicious, murderous, violent person comes in and kills 11 people who are worshiping God. Oh, it's a life of tribulation. We live in a sinful and broken world. How do saints reach the end, though? How do we get to the goal line that John's talking about today? Well, the answer is they wash their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. They realize that their salvation is in Jesus alone. It's not in their brilliance or their holiness or their piety. It's in the washing of their robes in the righteous blood of Christ. So saints are made by faith in grace, by grace through faith. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this about people who are saints. For it is by grace you've been saved through your faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of your works, so that no one can boast. It's all Jesus. He gives us the righteousness, the clothing, everything else. He sustains us. He is victorious for us. And at the end of days, I'm going to be able to be dressed in white and strut my way into heaven. I'm not going to have to worry about whether I've lived up to a virtuous, saintly life because it's not what I've done, it's what he's done that matters. And I'm going to strut right in there wearing my righteous robes and they're going to announce, Trip Jeffords is here, the perfect one, the holy one, he's reached heaven. And I hope my wife is there to hear that. <laughs> I really do. Uh, she's going to give them a, a sideways glance and like, really, this guy? And Jesus is going to say, yeah, he washed his robe white in the blood that I offered him. So that's how we are sustained. That's how we are saints. We go through the great tribulation knowing that he's already overcome the great tribulation. In 1633, Jesus says of John's gospel, I've said all these things to you so that you might have peace. Now the next word is pretty important. Here's how you're going to have peace in the tribulation. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer and take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus is the overcomer. He's in heaven even now sitting at the right hand of the Father. His promise is to make all creation new and to wipe the tears of tribulation from the eyes of every saint at the end of time. That's what we see in verse 15 today. Look at that. These saints are before the throne of God, once again worshiping. That's what saints do. And they're serving him day and night in the temple. For he who sits on the throne is sheltering them with his presence. Hear those words? He shelters them. They make it through the tribulation because he is their shelter. He's their protector. Verse 16, and they hunger no more. He becomes their sustenance. Neither thirst any more, these saints, in verse 16. And the sun's not going to strike them nor any scorching heat. Verse 17, for the Lamb, Jesus, in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd to lead them home through the tribulation into glory. And he will guide them into springs of living water, it says. And he's going to wipe away every tear from all their faces, from the great tribulation they went through down here. They're worshiping. They're drawing near to him. That's what saints do. We want to hang out with the sheltering presence of Jesus. We naturally want to worship 
and study the scriptures and be around other Christians who, who witness and encourage one another in the tribulation so that we can all get to the end together. Jesus is there in the end, wiping away tears from all faces, and the loss and, and of this world and the tribulation of this world will pale in comparison to the glory of the world yet to come. He's our shepherd. He's our king. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. And he will li- lead us to living waters for parched souls. So today's baptism. And as I said, Marin Danielle is about to be the newest saint. So now you know what it looks like to be a saint. So I charge you guys and I charge your godparents to teach her what it means to be a saint, to love God and be part of his family, a multitude of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, cleansed not because of their righteousness, but because of the blood of the Lamb sacrificed for them. Teach her to wash her robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Teach Marin to to draw close to the sheltering presence of Jesus. He'll get her through this tribulation. And teach her to pursue the, the spring of living water, to be in worship, to be in prayer, to bring worship into your home so that one day she'll be able to stand in that white, righteous white robe and her tears in the great tribulation will be washed free and wiped clean. So what are saints? They're simply sinners like you and me, washed and waiting, washed through baptism and waiting for the culmination of all things in the perfection of Jesus who makes all things new. C.S. Lewis, I'll end with this. Narnia Chronicles, the last book is called The Last Battle, and it's about the end times. And he says this about the end times. He says, all their life in this world, with all of its tribulations, and all their adventures in Narnia, had only been the cover and the title page. Now, in heaven, now at last, they're beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. My friends... Through the tribulation, know that one day you'll stand before the Lamb and before the throne, and every chapter in heaven is going to get better and better and better because you're a saint redeemed by the Most High God.